Welcome to the Autism Action Update. I'm Assemblyman Angelo Santa Barbara, your host, chair of the New York State Assembly's Subcommittee on Autism Spectrum Disorders. We've got a great show lined up for you today, and uh, this is actually this, this, uh, it's a, a, a double header. This is the second show I'm recording this week because uh, we have two special guests that have come in out of town, and you're going to hear from both of them uh, in just a little while coming up on the show. Stay with us. So uh, today on the show, we're going to be talking, uh, well, we're going to be talking to, uh, I, I always say special guests, but uh, we're going to be talking to two guests uh, that visited the state capitol, uh, and uh, they are special guests because um, they are, uh, I, I guess, I'm not sure what to call them besides robots. <laughs> they are robots that are here from an organization called Robot Kind, uh, and during my Autism Action Day at the state capitol, um, one of the two robots, actually, I think they were both up there. Milo was the name of uh, one of the uh, humanoid robots that uh, was a guest speaker uh, for, the, for uh, my Autism Action Day at the state capitol. Uh, and Autism Action Day was just a, a wonderful event this year, a great turnout, and it was so happy, I was so happy to have uh, ro- uh, the organization Robot Kind uh, uh, represented up there because the work they're doing, you know, one of the things we talk about when we talk about autism, we talk about uh, uh, direct care, we talk about uh, um, sensory issues, uh, we talk about workforce development. But one of the things that I think gets overlooked is t- the use of technology and how technology is helping kids with autism, adults with autism, uh, and technology is changing so fast in our world. There are so many different things, and uh, I, I just think of my son Michael uh, and the way he learns from the use of a pad, you know, an iPad or whatever you want to call it, uh, you know, how he's able to communicate with that technology. He's able to uh, take lessons. Uh, he's able to explore. Uh, he's able to find music and do things, and I, was just, I just think to myself sometimes, what if, you know, it was 20 years ago and even something as simple as an, an iPad didn't exist. Uh, I think it would be much more difficult for uh, a kid like my son and kids uh, with, with autism and other related conditions uh, to be able to do things uh, that I just described. I think it, it becomes, it, it would be much, definitely be much more difficult. This is a conclusion I've come to. Uh, so th- the point is the use of technology uh, shouldn't be overlooked. And uh, Earlier this year, uh, during the session, uh, I came across RobotKind uh, uh, and the work that they're doing with these humanoid robots. Uh, they walk, they talk, they communicate, they interact with children in an educational setting. And uh, as you're going to hear, uh, they can do it. Uh, uh, for some lessons, they can do it better than an actual person can do it because of the way they present the information, uh, the consistency, and a number of other things that we're going to talk about. So uh, great to have uh, great to have them here today. My guest is Dr. Gregory Finn, who's who's here. Uh, thank, you. thank you for being on the on the show. He, he uh, came up to the state capitol. Uh, actually, I pronounced it firm. Uh, firm. With a last name yes, that starts yeah, with Fern. F and then four yes, letters, yes. you get called a lot of things. Dr. So Gregory Fern. Uh, so uh, you came up to the state capitol. I did. And uh, you're here today uh, to uh, uh, sort of follow, uh, sort of, uh, we'll, we'll call this a follow-up to Autism Action Day. Uh, your uh, partner, Kevin Askew, is just off the screen here. Uh, he's going to uh, be helping out with uh, some, of the, uh, some of the language and some of the features that the robots uh, can do. Uh, so I guess just to start off with, you know, the work that you're doing, I have to, I have to say, is just absolutely amazing. Uh, and I think that... Uh, 
Uh, Robin, is it Robin? Yes, Robin, Robin is the sister of Milo. So we have two robots here. So for listeners, you know, I have two. Uh, they're not life-size robots, but 28 inches tall. 20 inches tall. Uh, so Milo and his sister Robin is here. And Robin was a big hit at Autism Action Day. She is. <clears throat> she is very popular. And as you yeah. know, uh, many individuals on the spectrum don't initially uh, discriminate between uh, race and ethnicity and or gender. Um, but their learner guardians and their parents do. So it's very important for us as a company to have not only a light skin, which we have Milo here, but we also have a dark skin robot, and then we have the sister. So we have the full family. Um, and the features are very similar, but um, they, they speak a little differently. Uh, and they're very, very engaging. And that was really the whole premise. The premise was to use technology. I mean, technology is not new to working with children with, on the spectrum or even adults. What is different is using a facially expressive robot that has two other really important features. We know that auditory processing is a huge challenge with a number of individuals on the spectrum. So Milo and his sister, they speak 20% slower. We actually display icons on their chest that help support that auditory processing. And then we use uh, video modeling. And I think that that becomes really part of the secret sauce is explaining a targeted behavior, modeling that behavior, and then actually generalizing the human-to-human interaction. So as you said earlier, I'm not sure Milo does it better, but what Milo can do is, and his sister, they never get tired. They never get frustrated. They're very consistent. They're very safe because they make no judgments in terms of even our best efforts of not um, having a, a, a frustrated face or something uh, to that effect. Milo never does that unless it's intentional. And you know, we wanted to remove those obstacles and barriers that often get in the way of really taking therapy to a deeper level. Uh, and so that's why he was created. Uh, he was created specifically to be used in the world of autism, even though we know that he and she work very effectively uh, with other disabilities. But our research is really in the area of autism, and we're very, we're very proud, but we're also very humbled. Um, I, I am absolutely amazed. Every week I will hear stories from parents. I hear stories from educators. And, and, and in some cases I get to hear from individuals with autism themselves that will talk about their experience. Um, and we see life-changing experiences happening every day. Uh, the biggest breakthrough generally happens in self-regulation and behavior. Uh, and then we move into social and emotional understanding and in communication dynamics. And I, and I love this part of it uh, for your listeners is uh, understanding that neurotypical, we will tend to look at the entire face. So we look at that, we take all that information in to get our social cueing. And that's not always the case with many individuals on the spectrum in terms of not only eye gaze, but just eyes, eye contact. So Milo makes it very safe to look at his face and walks through that parts of the face. And we, we systematize to the strength of autistics. So we'll say, look at my mouth, look at my eyes, look at my eyebrows. And so we'll go through the emotions and teaching that first, what is the emotion? And then understanding, well, what do I do in response to that? So it's one thing to be happy. And most people, when they're happy, they smile. The sides of my face go up when I smile. Most people, when, most people are sad. When they're sad, sometimes they, their mouth drops down. They frown. And so we walk through that, again, in a very safe way. And then we move from very simple to very complex. So I was very pleased to hear your earlier podcast um, in talking about um, how 
neurotypicals will misunderstand often um, a facial expression. Um, and we can communicate something that we don't mean. Right. You know, yep. we're not frustrated, but we look frustrated. And I was with some individuals in New Jersey recently, adults, and they, they were telling me about different individuals in the room and said, that person's mad. And that person said, I'm not mad. Well, you look mad to me, and I want to know what did I do to make you mad. And so, you know, the robots himself, uh, themselves are an engagement factor. They help break and break barriers, bridge, if you will, gaps that exist. But they're only that small part. It's really the work that we do right here going face-to-face. -face. That's what we want. And it seems, you know, uh, for me, I mean, from what I've learned uh, since we met up at the Capitol earlier this year, you know, this is sort of a, I, I see it as a partnership. So uh, it, you got a classroom setting, you have a teacher, uh, you have uh, an education tool uh, that assists in delivering whatever the instruction is uh, and doing it in a way, as you said, uh, uh, that's uh, delivered consistently, delivered, uh, uh, so almost tailored to that, the individual. Uh, so, you know, uh, the interactions, the facial expressions are things that we don't, normally don't see with things like an iPad or uh, uh, right. other other uh, educational tools. Uh, but, you know, I know the, I know the listeners can't see this, uh, but uh, maybe if they go on your website or something, there's a demonstration on there they can look at. Uh, but to uh, uh, to see the facial expressions go along with what. Uh, the information that's being delivered uh, is is truly something special. I think it's uh, embracing the technology in a, a new way. Uh, and from what I saw on aut our Autism Action Day, you know, kids that were up there, uh, the way they were just flocking to both of these uh, robots, uh, uh, Robin and Milo, uh, they wanted to engage. They wanted to have uh, some communication. It was encouraging it. Uh, so it was truly something special to see, and uh, I, as I said, that you know the, these two these two stole the show, <laughs> stole well, the show on Autism Action Day. But yeah. but, it, but but we, but we made our point. We made our point it, that exactly. technology is out there. Uh, we just need to embrace that. And you know, like you said, this is not something that's new. It's just that we're we're packaging it in a way that it can be used and embraced in these type of lessons. Yeah, we are we are absolutely understanding how we can now leverage technology. So so funny on that day. I recall vividly a young man, and I, I watched the mother, and she was like really challenged because her son was very active. I mean, he was dis distracted and he was running all over the place. I said, well, would he like to do a lesson with Milo? And so he actually came over and we did a lesson with Milo, a very simple, simple lesson, but we did a lesson with Milo and the mother commented afterwards, she goes, that's the longest time my son has sat still. And, and I can and remember. That's exactly the, and that's exactly the point, uh, you know, we were trying to make with, uh, and I know, uh, you know, I, I think that, you know, uh, people uh, generally just like to see new things, uh, but this is also, have to keep in mind, this is, it's great, it's, it's, it's something that we haven't seen before, but there's a purpose behind it, there's the educational piece. Uh, I, I think we, we, we're going to have, uh, before we go any further, for, just for the listeners, since they can't see uh, the robots. Uh, let's uh, let's just hear, let's just hear from Robin. Uh, we will hear from Robin first. Robin's going to, Robin's going to um, uh, make her debut here on the uh, on the Autism Action Update podcast. So uh, what? How, so Robin, Robin, what, what, should, uh, a moment. I'm going to ask Robin. Thank you for for being on uh, on the show here today. I really appreciate you uh, joining me on the podcast. Thank you, Assemblyman Santa Barbara, for having me on your Autism Action Update. And, and it's great to be back in New York State with you. 
Well, it's great to have you back. Uh, and it's great to ba have you back here in the city of Schenectady. It's, I hope you had a chance to uh, tour a little bit and, uh, and check out our beautiful downtown. <clears throat> oh, <laughs> great. I, I love New York, too. Wonderful. So, Robin, why don't you introduce your, your, your brother, and then we'll introduce your brother that's not here. Great. And so, how, how did you feel about riding on the airplane today or yesterday? Wow! It was, it was a pretty fun experience, wasn't it? She's thinking. I may not have asked the question. Can you repeat that, please? <laughs> how did you feel about flying on the airplane? Very good. So anyway, she's so she's very attractive. Maybe one of the things and again, those unfortunately that are listening and you're right, they can go to the website and see that is that we'll let um, if that's OK, Robin, we'll let Milo show a number of his, his facial expressions. So can you do that for us? <clears throat> and, and that's, uh, you know, that's that just adds so much to the information being delivered is the, the facial expressions are, are really what make uh, what make this technology unique. Uh, is that uh, I, if people can engage and, and see the smiles and see the and, as Milo's doing right now. Yeah, and, and as you know, I mean, one of the powerful um, components of, of using robotics is that the consistency. So you and I cannot repeat ourselves the same way, um, express ourselves the same way every time over and over again. So if I'm a therapist or a specialist or an educator and I'm trying to deliver therapy uh, and doing that with repetition is very very challenging well milo and robin can repeat themselves perfectly every time they're very consistent um, and very reliable and very dependable and that's what makes them safe now the, the sad face that he just made is just so uh i i you feel like oh, I, I looked over and I, I wanted to say what's wrong yeah. you know it's like you know i just this is it's it looks like a sad face uh, you know, it's it's uh, it's truly uh, uh, the visual is truly something that uh, uh, people should take the time to see that if they can go on the website. Um, the um, you know I, I was just looking through some of the you know the, the development of these. You know, let's just talk a little bit about development. Obviously, these are uh, the latest generation. But you know what what went into you know I, I, let's talk about what went into you know figuring out what facial expressions we need and how we're going to deliver this information and how do we assemble it all into the you know and it looks like you know the face of uh, Milo's face is you know it looks like skin yeah it, it moves you can touch it yeah and, uh, it's very very malleable you know and so so you know research obviously has to go into this is that okay we need to we need to develop a, a sad face a happy face whatever you know there's, there's a number of different expressions that uh, they both can do. Now, there's there's data that backs this up. Uh, that, you Pretty know, extensive research. You know, I I, yeah. I think we should touch on that. That it's not just hey, we want to we want to include these these facial expressions. There's meaning behind why they're included. Exactly. So Richard Margolin, who is the son of Fred Margolin, who who um, basically self-funded and created this company. Richard was a, an engineer. Uh, and probably is one of the world's leading uh, facial expressive roboticists. So Richard was making life-size robots uh, with facial expressions. And Dr. Rawlins at the University of Texas, Dallas, saw that and po posited that if you could create a specifically a facially expressive robot to work with children or individuals with autism, we believe that we can increase the engagement, we can increase and accelerate, if you will, therapy and breakthroughs. And so 
Richard said, game on, let me create this. So through several iterations, like three to four years of development, uh, clinical trials, trying to get those expressions just right. So some of them are over-exaggerated because the difference between worried and scared, those are really difficult um, emotions to not only show and demonstrate, but to create. And so Richard spent and his team spent three to four years working with the university, testing and testing and testing to make sure that we had it just right. So every part of their, their existence, from the number of digits they have in their hands, to the height, to the, those facial expressions, the hair in terms of tactile experience, all of those were clinically tested before they came out. But Richard had authored several research papers already on robotics and why they were good um, but it was really the curriculum that brought the robot to life. So this curriculum that was very intentional in terms of using a developmental approach, using structured activities and naturalistic practice is what brought it all together. So the robot, cool, engaging, individuals are curious about him, but it's really the curriculum that really brings it all together and which is why the impact um, that's been created across North America across every English-speaking country and even some countries that uh, English is a second language, um, we've seen that impact and that effect. So we know it works and it works well and that's our story and we're sticking to it. Now, you know, we talked about uh, educational settings, classrooms, uh, yeah. but that's, that's not really the, the, the limit, the, that doesn't limit what, right. what you can use, uh, you know, how, how you can uh, uh, participate and use these robots. Uh, it, it can be in a number of settings, not just educational settings. Not, we're not just talking about schools here. Right, right. So we actually, in Ohio, uh, as one example, uh, Milo is used in hospitals. Um, he's almost a, a greeter. He's used in, uh, in kind of children's areas of that hospital, but Milo helps greet. Milo helps reduce some of the anxiety because, again, he's engaging and he's very safe. Um, he's worked in private clinics. Um, the private therapy providers, public therapy providers. We're working now um, with adult group homes. Um, we are working with companies that want to use Milo as part of their pre-employment experience um, to help articulate and explain um, about the world of work that they're they're in. So he has and she has unlimited possibilities. I, I, I laugh. We have this one little program. Um, we actually work with onset dementia patients. And I laugh because Milo laughs when he talks about this because he thinks it's really kind of fun that he can work with um, almost any individual because we can program him to do multiple things. Um, but it's really, as I said earlier, autism is where we've done our research. Autism yeah. is what we were designed to do. But you're absolutely right. He has, he has unlimited, is only limited by our imagination which, and how we can use him. Now your your company uh, nationwide, uh, we're seeing you know these uh, this technology in, in use pretty much across the entire nation. So thirty five states, yep. uh, four provinces in Canada, and um, in fact we're expanding in both places. As as some of your listeners may know, uh, Canadian uh, statistics are very similar to what we have in the U.S., which are very similar to around the world. Now as as I'm looking through the literature here, so uh, just you know, it, it, the emotions are part of it, uh, the expressions. Uh, are, the, are the other piece of it, uh, but uh, it also teaches social situations. It so does. it teaches uh, people how to respond. As you said, if you uh, it is a t it is a uh, uh, 
it is something that you should, you know, people are, are happy about or people are sad about or something that's what the appropriate response is. So it goes back and forth with those type of lessons as well. Exactly. So for an example, I'll give you two very, very specific examples. Um, and I'm going to apologize in advance because this is met with no offense. But generally when you ask a parent of an autistic child how many birthday parties they've attended, the response usually is one or none uh, for many. And so one of the situational modules that we use is birthday parties. We actually teach all the components of what we would consider to be a traditional birthday party. So we try to prepare that student to what to expect. I mean, it's difficult for neurotypical children to go to the store to buy a present. And all of a sudden, we're going to buy a present. Wait a minute, I bought something that I liked, and now I'm going to give it away? That can be very traumatic. So we walk through all of that and build this tremendous capacity for birthday parties. The second is play dates. Um, being a, another situational module that we use is how to how to have a play date, have to have somebody over to your house to play, and also to go to another another friend's house to play. So we found those are two examples of situational modules. But all of our social emotional modules and lessons are built around a social context or a social, social narrative. So their their settings are in common areas, albeit school, playground, um, sometimes in cars and other places. All trying to build that capacity of modeling what that targeted behavior is and make it safe for, for individuals to be empowered to, to, to live in that type of environment. And, and as we, you know, we talked about on a, on a previous podcast, uh, you know, the sensory issues, uh, you know, this is, you know, it's, 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 it's a way to uh, identify what the sensory issues may or may not be in a social situation. But also, you know, as I read the literature here, non-threatening, it does it in a non-threatening way where, you know, it can be uh, in the privacy uh, of your home, it could be in a classroom setting where, you, you know, you're doing it in a way where, yes, you're. This is what's what happens at a birthday party. This is what happens in a social interaction. But you know, you're you are engaging with um, the, the the Milo or Robin in the situation to prepare for what's next. And I think you know, when we talk about transition, you know, going from one thing to the next, uh, that's something that's very helpful to be able to prepare and experience or know what to expect next. Exactly. And being able to practice that in as and you practice, said, and, yes. and practice it in a non judgment judgmental way is really critical. When when there's a response that's incorrect by uh, an individual, Milo does not judge that. Milo doesn't make any type of expression like you're wrong. It'll, he'll go right into re instructing and let's try that again and let's do it this way. And it's interesting, one of the things that we found is that um, initially when tasks or when a student is incorrect on a response or an individual is incorrect, um, it's sometimes they just need more information. And so when Milo does reteaching and he kind of re-instructs, he provides you more information. And each time a little bit more information and then we'll start backing away from that because we really want them to generalize. And, you know, I would be disingenuous if I didn't express, we don't want individuals tethered to Milo. We think Milo's really great and fun to be with, but what we really want, our aim is to have that human-to-human -human interaction to build that skill set and that capacity and that competence and confidence to interact with other humans. That's really what we're after, and Milo just helps to build that. And we went through this uh, lesson in my office at the Capitol. Uh, I went through one of the lessons, one of the lessons yeah. and you're right. And, you know, a couple of times, you know, we just uh, gave the wrong answer to see what would happen next, and you're right. Milo will give me a little more information and say, hey, let's, I think the expression was, hey, let's try that again. Yeah. And, uh, and it, you know, it was just a consistent, okay, let's, let's try it again. You know, I, I don't know if that's right, but let's try this again. And, and, and the information would be uh, provided again. So I, I, I think that, uh, uh, you know, the other, the other thing we should mention is uh, the two robots here uh, also have the, 
you have the, the, you know, the facial session, but there's also a screen uh, that's used that also provides information. So there's a visual, uh, not like a, I don't want to say a pad because it's smaller than a pad, but it's a little screen that, that also provides visual information on letters. I think some letters came. Right. So we have 1,700, it. maybe the simplest way to do it for our listeners is uh, like flashcards. Yep. And so whenever Milo is teaching, and we systematize, as I mentioned earlier, to the strengths of individuals, a characteristic of autism. Um, so when we greet, we look, smile, and say hi. So flashcards, look, smile, say hi. We'll show on his chest as he's speaking or as she's speaking. So we try to do that to build, again, that capacity and that neural processing connecting. Um, so. Our aim is to create coherence, and we know that those three factors, from the expressiveness to the chest plate to the video modeling, is what creates coherence and understanding. Milo doesn't teach children to speak, but he has been a part of children speaking for the very first time. So we know it's not a, a, it's not a speaking issue, but it's helping to create the understanding, kind of diving in, in deep into the coherence. And I, I love the part that Dr. Rollins often talks about. If I only hear the, the sounds of, the, of a word and I never put those sounds together to create the word, mm-hmm. it's just gibberish. And so that's why that chest plate, that chest screen becomes so critical. So when we're saying a word, very simple language, it's being reinforced here on an icon, which we provide that to learner guardians and parents. Um, so irrespective of who's facilitating Milo with yeah. an individual on the spectrum, all that information is provided. We really have done, and to Dr. Rollins, Dr. McFarland, and Dr. Garber, who are our writers, they've done an outstanding job of providing everything that someone would need to know to work with an individual with autism. Now with this, you know, with, with Robin's presentation here on the show, we just uh, went through a little inter- interaction. Uh, these uh, interactions can be tailored uh, specifically to whatever the case may be. And you, you know, you mentioned birthday parties, but it can be a number of situations uh, but it's versatile enough where it can adapt to whatever you're trying to, uh, whatever, you know, maybe it may be going shopping or, or going exactly. to the supermarket. Uh, it can be tailored in that in that fashion if, if needed. It can, it's, it's versatile. It can. In fact, we're, we're just about to release some new content um, that focuses on transitions. And what I mean by transitions, fire drills. What happens when you have a fire drill? And I mean, it, it neurotypical are disturbed, and rightfully so, because it's yeah. a it's an alert. It's saying that there's a problem that can be very, very troubling for an individual on the yeah. spectrum, as well as other disabilities. So, um, what happens when I come and I have a different teacher today, or I'm seeing a different individual at a doctor's office? What what what's my reaction? That can be very unsettling. It can be difficult. Yes. So working through those type of situations, and and Milo does a great job. It's okay. You know, he'll, I'm going to play this, or you're going to hear a sound. It's okay. And so he'll walk through that to make it very calming and to build, again, that capacity, confidence, and competence that's critical for an individual um, to live as best as we can um, independently and um, as normally as they're going to be in terms of normal, what normal is defined as. Um, that's our goal. Our aim is really to create that. No, there's no, there's really no age, you know, limits to you know who can who can really engage with with Milo or Robin there's no you know nobody too young or too uh, correct old, uh, you know adults or or children can they can all engage in the same way and still be a part of uh, you know use it for uh, uh, number of purposes number so of they purposes. work the young the youngest both chronologically and developmentally is about four so be, younger than four 
we haven't had a lot of success with three, three and a half year olds or very young, but certainly at four, um, all the way into we work with uh, individuals in their 50s. And soon, soon those individuals will be in their 60s and they'll still be working with Milo. Well, I think, you know, and, and with my son, you know, language, uh, he struggles with language. Uh, it's, and it's making the sounds uh, is what he has a problem with. Uh, and, you know, trying to get, you know, to, to, trying to get the right sound, as you said, connected with the right, the right sounds together to make the world, he do, he, to make the word. He does have difficulty with that. Uh, so I, I think, you know, a big part, uh, a, lot of, a lot of kids with autism struggle with that language piece uh, of things and to see that to see that there's some technology out there being advanced that can help with that is certainly uh, uh, is certainly uh, uh, something I'm pleased to see uh, and I you know I, I know you know what do you see in the in the in the future you see you see these robots becoming more advanced and taking on more lessons or what do you see down the road with this technology is it is it is it getting you know I assume it's getting better year after year and uh, perhaps earlier models didn't do everything we just talked about here. Exactly, in fact, what we were just doing with Robin having kind of a two-way conversation, yeah. uh, that wasn't even possible two and a half months ago. Um, so, so you said it was like an AI function that we didn't use, uh, right. th that we did use here a little bit. Yeah, I think to be fair and put, the, and put pressure on Richard, um, <laughs> which I hope he's listening, um, is that um, we're only using about 15 to 17% of the capability of the technology. So when we talk about voice recognition, site recognition, all of those pieces, though it has all those capabilities. But on the immediate horizon is expanding and really developing um, or using this platform is using developed curriculum that has been very effective with um, economic development in terms of workforce, yeah. um, pre-employment, life skills, living independently, because we know, especially from the research that, that has been done at Johns Hopkins using Milo, is that the instructional methodology is extremely solid and effective. So this idea of facial expressiveness, reinforcement with the chest, uh, with, the, with the flashcards, and the video modeling drives generalizing. And so um, we're moving, working um, develop, to develop uh, new content, some of which will be released in October, that is really focused on that transition age of 18 to 21 and then 21 and older, uh, working with young adults and or adults and have to be young because as you mentioned earlier, we're across the age band. I mean, we can work with anybody. Um, but we really see um, the need, especially uh, many states, New York not, not excluded from this, are really struggling with how do we meet the needs of our adults. Yeah. Um, the K-12 or the P-12 umbrella is very powerful, but we know that many states are taxed um, with what do we do? Because as we've talked about earlier, is the prevalence rate is not going away. Um, these individuals are going to continue, unfortunately, many, in many respects, um, to exit from the P-12 with not the, the supports necessary for them to be successful and to have a quality of life that we as Americans want all of our citizens to have. So um, we're working on that. There'll be some new iterations yeah. um, that are coming. Uh, we're making some uh, minor modifications, but... Um, we're delighted. Our engineers, as you, I think I shared with you, some, you know, some of our engineers are on the spectrum. Um, so we have coders and programmers, which really helps us as a company. Uh, it certainly changed my life in working with um, neurodiverse individuals the way that I do. But we really see this expanding. Um, we want to assist in however we can. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see the future of uh, of this technology and where it goes. Uh, I think it's uh, very helpful. What are you hearing? Um, 
what are you hearing from you know school? These are in some schools, not in all schools, but there are some uh, have adapted uh, the use of this technology. What are you hearing? What are the teachers uh, saying, or what are students saying? What are what are you hearing back? So first and foremost, what we'll hear from educators is that anywhere between 89 to 95% of their students in the first one to four months will have a life-changing experience. And I, and I see that in some of your literature. So that, that was one of the goals, you know, the, the change goal, lives. Change lives yep. to equip, if you will, with those skill sets. And generally, in the first one to four months, we'll see overall 50% will start begin to self-regulate. Um, the third thing that we, t we see in terms of statistics is in the, in the low 90s of IEP goal completion. So every lesson that we have within the program comes with sample IEP goals. So we really are trying to help educators in, in the P12 world um, understand how to use this. Uh, what we hear from parents, um, once we move through the tiers, because I have this one beautiful story of a parent in South Carolina. She goes, I'm just now getting to know my son because her son is self-regulating. Uh, it's just a precious little clip. You can see it on our, our website, uh, robokind.com, where this parent, the, the son initiates embracement with, with his mother. I mean, it's very tearful. Um, so we hear that. We hear educators that talk about their world has changed because those disruptions that come often from behaviors and meltdowns and so forth are affecting not only that individual but also the classroom. They start to see them being able to not only self-regulate, but they're able to get to deeper therapy and academics, which is the one I'm most excited about. Is we, start, we are now starting to get the reports that not only IEP goal attainment, but academics. We're seeing students that are moving away from self-contained classrooms, moving back into the mainstream, um, being with their non-disabled peers in, a, in, if you will, a normalized educational setting that are partaking in educational classes, not just their um, special needs classes. So um, it's, it's heartwarming, and the students themselves, it's fun. They know if Milo, if, there's, if Milo has to go in for to see the doctor because he might have a minor repair, and we have a substitute Milo, those students know that's not our Milo. Where did our Milo go? We want our Milo back. So the students have, uh, they're surprised and delighted. And I, I will tell you, this is my last thing, because you've seen the dance party. I think we might have done the dance party in your office. So we had a student. We that, did, yes. We, yes. Had a, we had a student who the, the educators described for us as a student was, um, was a very difficult student to manage, had a full-time custodial paraprofessional with that student all the time. So he's doing a dance-off with Milo. And so uh, it's, it's interesting because he, he looks at the robot and he does his dancing and he says, can you do that? Top that. And so Milo will go into his little dancing mode. So it was a very cute moment. But what the educator said afterwards, that moment was the hook. And that student then actually engaged and started to self-regulate. And that student now is one of the most popular students in their class because that student, they invite them to all their parties and all their, all their social events. So, you know, that's for us, that just warms our heart and motivates us to just how can we do better? I still have that uh, dance-off clip on my Twitter somewhere. <laughs> so that was, uh, that was fun. Yes, I, I enjoyed seeing that. Uh, He's very proud of himself. Yes. He, he can, he can yeah, dance pretty well. I could tell. I could tell. Uh, well, look, it's, it's been great to, to have you on the podcast. Uh, it was certainly great to have you at the Capitol. And, uh, we, you know, we'll be looking forward to uh, seeing uh, this in more of our educational facilities um, and schools. And I know you uh, have, have visited New York uh, qu quite a bit this year. Yeah. Uh, and hopefully, we'll, you know, we'll see more of Milo and Robin uh, being used to uh, help kids with autism. Um, you know, we certainly, you know, the numbers, like you, as you said, are very real, one in 59 now. 
uh, is what their uh, uh, what what the uh, reports are showing. Um, I don't know if we have a closing. Uh, <laughs> do we have a do we have a closing uh, remark from uh, Robin or Milo? Anybody want to say anything before we close the show here? Anybody ready to say anything? <laughs> That's the question I should ask. I think Robin wants to thank you. Robin, you want to you want to uh, say goodbye to our listeners? Uh, you gonna be shy? Yeah. Well, well, well. No. Okay. Thank you so much for having Milo and I. We appreciate all you do. Well, thank what? you for having us. Well, uh, have a great night. <laughs> I, I almost cut almost cut Robin off a few times there, but uh, Robin, it's been great to have you uh, on the podcast here. You are the first robot to be on my podcast. I, I will say that. Uh, and uh, Milo, Milo's been kind of quiet, but it's, I, I I know he's semi smiling. That's I think well, Milo's happy to be here as well. Very consistent with what we know yes. about autism, that um, our, our females tend to be a little bit more verbal than our males. and uh, But uh, Robin, just she's the older. She wanted to make sure that Milo was... Um, well, I, I, I thank them for both for being here, for uh, sharing uh, sharing their uh, uh, their um, greetings on my on my podcast. Uh, the uh, Your website again... Uh, uh, Robokind.com. And ro- Robots for Autism is a different website, right? That's so it's actually, you can get to Robots for Autism at the Robokind.com. It's just a little bit easier for folks to, uh, well, uh, it's, get to. it's great to, uh, to have you on the podcast. Well, I would you. encourage, uh, for, for listeners, uh, that want to actually see the facial expressions or see some of the routines or some of the, uh, lessons, uh, to visit the website. And, uh, it's, it's, it's worth looking into, uh, look at I mean, if it's something that you think may be helpful, uh, you know, maybe people could reach out and, and just uh, learn more about uh, what uh, what Milo and Robin can do and some of the lessons they can deliver. Uh, certainly, I think it's uh, it's great technology. I'll be keeping an eye on it. Uh, you know, my autism action plan includes a, a number of things, and technology is one of those one of those uh, pieces that we cannot forget. Uh, and and like you said, you know, sometimes the technology is there, we just haven't embraced it yet. And that's what we're seeing here, I think, with uh, with Milo and Robin. Uh, so, uh, you know, thanks thanks for being here. Uh, we hope to have you back uh, for Autism Autism Action Day next year at the at the state capitol. Uh, in the meantime, uh, Robin and Milo have a safe trip back. Enjoy your flight back. And uh, for listeners, uh, join me again here on the next. Uh, that that's it for this episode of my my podcast. But join us again for uh, the next uh, installment of the Autism Action Update. Thanks for joining us.